You're listening to All Ears with Somewhere Soul. Welcome to episode 16 of the All Ears podcast. This is Josh Mason and today I'm joined by saxophonist, producer and singer-songwriter Laura Mish. After releasing her debut project titled Playground back in 2017, Laura recently returned with her follow-up release titled Lonely City that fuses electronic production with live sonic soundscapes. Throughout the course of the episode, we talk about life on tour, producing her latest project and the themes behind it, plans for the future and lots more. Laura Mish. Hello. Thanks for doing this. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, so I think the first time we met was in... Peckham Platform, doing some arts and crafts about three years ago. It was, um, yeah, because I was working in Peckham Platform, uh, which was a community art gallery. It still is a community art gallery, but it's not in the same building, um, which was opposite Peckham Library. Yeah. Long time ago. And that was the morning after your headline show at Pinkbird Live. Yeah, 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 it was, um, which is crazy, actually, now I think about it. Um, Yeah, that was the morning afterwards, and I'd done the show that night um which was my first time doing a doing a show it was in St James's church mm-hmm. wasn't it yeah um and then gone to work in the morning um yeah I was I was uh, working as a learning assistant teaching kids art at the time yeah nice yeah I remember just walking down the street like the morning after the gig and I was like I swear that's your mission there like doing like screen printing or something yeah yeah I think we were doing screen printing yeah oh god we did so many different activities um but yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, I I do miss that that kind of um, community um, engagement work. Actually, I'm I'm very much looking for ways to translate what I'm doing now back into a community. That's cool. Mm. How much has life changed since wow. then? <laughs> it feels like a, a lifetime away. But I feel like life life has always felt like chapters because mm-hmm. I make quite extreme decisions and um, can't do anything half heartedly. So I tend to like completely immerse myself in whatever I'm doing that sounds like a good thing (laughs) yeah I think it's I think it's good I'm 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 learning I'm learning a lot about boundaries and and um obsession and addiction and all of these things because I I feel I feel like balance is key and yeah and it's so difficult it is difficult every time I think I've got I've got a good balance at the moment one week later (laughs) it's like wow where'd that go yeah (laughs) yeah no totally but I think it's I think it's it's a beautiful thing as well because because it it's kind of just like something which you can keep coming back to and keep like stepping out from and and reassessing and and shaping and yeah Mm. I think my issue is I struggle with if I write like a long list of the things I need to be doing to keep my life in balance it's a huge list (laughs) so it's like really hard even though there's simple things like yeah like eating healthy drinking water exercising even those three alone you start adding on more and it's like it's tough to just like pack it all in and then you're doing I find I'm stressed from trying to be balanced mm. which yeah I've not mastered it yet but <laughs> maybe you've got some tips for me I don't know yeah no I can I can feel that I mean I think I think lists for me are problematic anyway because I, I think more in terms of like a brainstorm and mm-hmm. I have a very kind of like as- associated memory like as in I'll think of something and then that'll connect to another thought and it, they tend to branch off so often that will make like um multiple thoughts mm-hmm. arise um so yeah I, I lists haven't 
really worked for me. I think voice memos have worked and, and just sometimes like saying what you need to do that day or that month or setting an intention. Um, also like conversations, you know, sometimes just like talking to someone and saying, oh, like I'm, I'm intending to do this mm. like throughout the next six months can sometimes be a really good way of um, like putting something out there and they can reflect that back to you at some point. Yeah. 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 yeah I have found sometimes committing to something on like, social media I found helpful if I've got like an idea <laughs> and I'm like oh am I going to really do that I'll just post it on like I love Instagram to be like we're doing this so then like, the fact that I know people have seen that I feel like I have to follow through with it I do I, I feel <laughs> yeah no totally there's this kind of um yeah making holding yourself accountable through a community of sorts I think is an interesting concept yeah I think we might talk about social media later but I think that's a really interesting way to use it um mm. Because it can it can reflect a lot back at you and um, yeah wow <laughs> yeah top tip I'd say I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go through and see what you've committed to now <laughs> um, yeah so how's your 2019 been you've been gigging a lot yeah. haven't you yeah I have um, 2018 was was more 2019's been more like um, further afield actually I did my first show in America in March in Texas for South oh, wow. by Southwest um, how was that. That was yeah. It was it was an incredible experience. I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I think I think I have to be completely honest. I I think I struggled on a kind of like um, just I think just on a on a like an emotional level because I I found it just very overwhelming because um, there's just there's just so much music and and so much like sound. It's quite intense. Um, people are incredibly enthusiastic, but also it's incredibly fast paced. And I think I yeah. I think I just I'm quite sensitive to all of that so at times it was it was quite tough but then it's it's almost like this baptism by fire like you come back and mm. you um have learned so much and seen so much and heard so much and you just need to take time to like absorb it all and be like okay like that was an incredible experience um but yeah I was I was a bit like oh like a rabbit in the headlights when I was actually out there yeah, yeah. and also because I was playing shows at like technically like 6am because of the time differences um and I was playing like what midnight 11 show like my first show I was playing outside and De La Soul were playing here like literally the next patch wow. um like the next bar along and then there was like a really heavy disco this bar and um my I do like a one woman show and uh, it's really technical there's like 10 outs a lot of audio processing and the electricity cut out because we didn't have the right adapter <laughs> and I had no sound engineer so you have like three minutes to like translate um, so much information to the engineers that um and it was just a bit but it was an amazing crowd and so it was this kind of like this strange energy of of feeling like you're almost performing like this noise gig or some something like punk because it was all just like crashing and breaking and feedback and sound and but then you kind of felt powerful because you were so far away with this like environment that you've made to be able to perform in just doing your best and like yeah, so it was just all the emotions at once. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, sounds intense. Yeah. But you managed to get through your set like fine. And um. Yeah. 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 No, I did. I think. Um, yeah. Because yeah, I often yeah, yeah. speak to artists, and they're like, "Oh, this happened," and I was at the show, and I'm always like, "Really?" Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> so no. No. I don't know no, how no, much I, it. Yeah. I, sometimes you don't know how much it like translates to the crowd. Totally. Totally. I think I think we we often overanalyze what what's happened backstage, and that's something I think you just learn through time. Like I I didn't grow up gigging, so I so I never had the kind of like I don't know the experience 
to really like mess up. I've just like mm. messed up just all the time and and that's been really healthy, I think. Cause yeah, you so you stop you been... taking yourself so seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, have you, how much have you learned from like the past three years of like gigging? Because so you, you've gigged like quite a lot, yeah. quite consistently, haven't you? Was that like a conscious decision to gig a lot to I think get it's lots the, of experience? Or Yeah, I mean, I think it's been like a series of, like I, I think I'm learning more. Like I'm, I'm definitely like super passionate and I, I, I love what I do and I put so much energy into it. But there's also, um, you know, like I have management and um, I do have booking agents and and so there's other there's other like energy and drive in this um, and and also because of the sh- the I think a lot of people the time people can't really like define where the music sits um, and because it's this kind of like solo show I ended up playing like jazz festivals and like. Oslo to like electronic festivals in Berlin to like um, just more kind of I guess like more mainstream pop festivals to everything last That's year. Really cool. um, so did a lot of those and then uh, did some headline tours supporting different artists. So I mean uh, support tours supporting different artists and then headline tours as well. So yeah, it's just been lots of different environments and what has been experiences. What would you say some of your like standout shows? I mean you've had some. It's probably quite a difficult question, but have you had standout shows that you were like, yeah, that was amazing yeah. in terms of like whether it was the vibe the venue the people 100% um I did a tour supporting Krungbin um, oh yeah who are an incredible band and yeah they're just they're just so um I think like like it's just it's just such a they just make such a beautiful experience I think for people to come to and and there's so much work that goes on behind the scenes and that was just fascinating to see them play again and again um and obviously like a much bigger production than me and I I, I love supporting in this stage because I just I'm just, it's just like being like immersed in something and just learning so much and I talk to everyone like I talk to the lighting engineers I talk to all the sound engineers I talk to people like t- doing the like dress or technically backstage and you just learn so much and um their show um, we did one show in the Netherlands. Um, actually, no, their show, yeah, their show in Amsterdam was probably for me one of the most like beautiful experiences. Um, but then you do, then there's completely different shows. Like I played a, a show in a festival called Meadows in the Mountains, which was like in the oh, mountains yeah. in Bulgaria, I've heard about and that. I played on a Sunday, and I think everyone was like on a come down and just needed soothing, and so I was like, okay, I'm just going to make this really ambient. And um, I didn't have my usual setup because I couldn't lug it up the mountains. So I had just a few synths and um, that show just felt like really whole, if if that makes any sense. Just like people were appreciating and I was appreciating being there. And so it's, you know, like you can go from playing like a 2000 venue to like a 20 people gig. And, and it's not so much about the size or the like prestige that I'm interested in. It's more just like energetically how it feels. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I've heard amazing things about um, that festival. Yeah, yeah, nonsense. it was it was interesting. It was interesting. <laughs> it's a beautiful setting. Yeah, I think it's still finding its. Well, for me, it felt like it's still finding its identity as a festival. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't. I only went one year. Um, yeah. I loved yeah. your jazz cafe show. Oh, which which one? I think um, I played there a couple of. It's times. the rhythm the rhythm section one. Oh, that I one. Was that? Yeah, that was that was so great because the sound is really really good. They have, and yeah, you're right. And and the other two acts, uh, thirty seventy. Yeah, they're um, amazing. Um, those trio were really good. Yeah, yeah, three, yeah, yeah three acts. I love. Are such a good show. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So to sort of venture back now, um, mm. and just talk about sort of your early experiences growing up with music. Um, when did you first 
start playing? What sort of things were you listening to? What inspired you to start um, getting into music? Yes. Um, so I, I, do you know what the the, the thing is? Because I, I wouldn't say that I, I grew up like intentionally like collecting music or like intentionally listening to music. If that makes too much sense, like I, I didn't ever like in a million years think I'd be making music. Although I did, I did play start playing saxophone when I was eleven because um, Lisa Simpson played and I thought she was really cool I did read that in an interview and I was yeah. like that's pretty it's, cool it's just the <laughs> yeah. like cartoons can really influence your yeah your life it's just, I guess this is what you can see in, as well in terms of like representation but um, uh, and so so I felt like when I started to make music which was wh- around the time I met well like yeah it was like a year before I met you when I was working in the gallery I was working in the gallery and teaching kids um, and I'd studied like science initially at university and then gone on to do communication and cultural studies and then moved back to London and was just kind of like finding my way um but a lot of people around me when I moved back were making music so obviously like my brother was producing um which and and then like loads but loads of my other friends were as well and it it just made it like a bit like cooking you know in the sense of it wasn't something that felt like really abstract like no one was making in like a fancy studio everyone just had a crack copy of Ableton or Logic and um the cheapest mic they could get their hands on and it wasn't yeah it was it was just something that that felt accessible so Um, it wasn't like oh I'm gonna like I'm gonna start music I'm gonna try music it was just this yeah it was just around you and yeah it was just around and um and I remember just just wanting to have a go and yeah and and originally just making um mainly kind of saxophone uh layering music basically um using like loop pedals um and then when i yeah like taught myself logic i was like okay i know i can do it like stem by stem which just seems so crazy now because i i just i literally see that like software whether it's ableton or logic or like and like loads of others as well as an extension of my creative process Mm -hmm. so the idea that at one time i was really timid to to um even like touch them was is like seems really strange but also it feels like encouraging to other people like i think everyone should just mess around and and it is daunting have a go at first it is daunting <laughs> although like someone gave me a really piece of good piece of advice which was if you approach a software a bit like it's a xylophone and you take off most of the keys apart from maybe five you need for certain functionalities then not only do you like often make interesting work because you're using it in a unique way but you also just don't need to know about the rest. Like That's I'm sure cool. I'm only okay. using the software to five percent of its capacity, but it's still it's, they're still such amazing tools. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to use it for the sake of using it. Like yeah, that. yeah. And I think that, I mean processes. I'm obsessed with process, <laughs> but like it's just a back and forth, isn't it? How much do we like spend time, especially with um, computers and uh, kind of gone much more towards hardware this year. And um, I've just, yeah, I'm actually making like a film at the moment where we like recorded everything live, like all the stems live outdoors and sessions. And then I'm just using those stems and keeping the production of it really minimalist. And now I'm like thinking about the next project. Maybe, maybe I'm just going to really not do much audio processing on it. Um, and just, cool. just sort of really like plug and play. Um, we'll see. <laughs> nice. And were there certain, were you listening to things at the time growing up that inspired you to make that sort of music or were you just making music that you were playing and you enjoyed uh, yeah i mean i guess when i was g- 
growing up I didn't I didn't really like actively search for music I think in in terms of I was much more interested in visual arts and okay. and painting and drawing and dance and um yeah like so so I guess the music I did listen to just kind of came away because my sister listened to it often she, I have an older sister and she was just always like two steps cooler than me so she was <laughs> but she was yeah she'd listened I mainly like pop music to be honest with you um and then think like I always liked Disney's Child. I think that was the first CD I ever nice. bought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is I was listening to to the album again the other day, and it's, it's still oh, still good. Yeah. yeah oh, I had some some of the cassettes amazing. I owned. Younger. A lot of nineties R and B, I guess. Um, but that's just because a lot of that's what my friends were listening to, um, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know anything about indie music, for example, until like last year. Um, where I played a lot more indie festivals and I, I've just started to listen to a lot more guitar bands because yeah, yeah. um, I didn't grow up with that. Yeah. Nice. So how would you say your sound has sort of grown and developed from your early um, days where you were layering sax yeah. to your latest project, which we'll talk about in a moment? Yeah, um, wow. Um, Lonely City. I guess it's 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 just been like as as my understanding of um like tools has expanded um and as I've as I've listened to more and more music and mainly mainly I think the music I have the most connection with is often music I get to see live in some sense um so as I've yeah like experienced had those kind of like embodied experiences of listening to music that's like translated back into what I've been producing um so I, like it's it's gone in a lot much more electronic direction because I've I've been like yeah going like heavy into software. Um yeah. Yeah. Have you seen John oh I don't suppose you listened to or seen John Hopkins before? Yeah, I saw him live at uh Shepherd's where's it Shepherd's Bush, I think. Um and yeah, my friend showed me Singularity, I think it yeah, was yeah. Uh, last year and I'd I'd never heard anything like that, so that completely blew my mind. Yeah, in terms of like live electronic music. It's, yeah yeah it's a yeah experience no 100% and yeah I think also there's just there's just really interesting um it's kind of it's, it's at times it's kind of almost going away from music and more going into like sound art things that you wouldn't necessarily like think are musical in the sense of traditionally or or towards the center of a, a more kind of like just sound collages um and I love that I think my productions and are very much like collages and I've never lost that aspect of it because collaging I guess was my favorite visual medium when I was growing up so collaging That's a nice way to look at it a sound yeah I think it also it just it, it puts a limit on things as well and it allows you to like have these creative constraints and I think even hypothetically when I've like programmed microphones to loop within um grids for me that's almost like you're if you're seeing it like paint, you're allowing the microphone to loop for say two seconds and then you're making some sound or imprint in that and then it's going to just collage itself along and, and build this like soundscape, I guess, um, over the course of the next five minutes in the framework that you've made it. Um, but yeah, I, I like it because it's, it's finite and um, has an ending, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so talk about your... Latest project, um, yeah, Lonely City, which is yeah the main thing we want to talk about on the episode. Yeah, um, I guess if you just start off with the inspiration 
behind it, how it sort of poured out of you? Yeah, so Lonely City, um, I've actually I've actually bought a book um, <laughs> today, which inspired it. Um, I love this book so much. I read it after um, I made Playground, the, the month afterwards. And then it was two years later that I released, exactly two years on the day that I released Lonely City. So it kind of, it's one of those things where you... you on the re- day? Yeah, I made it on That's the day. That's crazy. I think you, I'm just, like, you did that on purpose. Yeah, I did it on purpose. <laughs> it just felt, um, yeah, it felt like symbolically a good time yeah, yeah. to do it. Um, but I'd recommend it to anyone who's um, ever se- like felt a sense of loneliness whilst living in a city. Um, and it's called it's called the Lonely City. Yeah, by so I didn't stray very far <laughs> by Olivia Liang. Um, have you spoke to her at all? Have I spoken to her? I haven't. I um, I'm quite shy. I thought about emailing her. Um, oh, you should. It'd be so. I bet she'd love that. Yeah. From one like creative to another to hear that her project has inspired another project. It'd be so cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I, you know, I think when you're in awe of someone, I'm. I kind of. I'm in awe of her brain. I think the way it is able to organize things. And I felt like this. But I felt. I mean, I've been reading a lot more in my adult life. I think than when I was growing up. I really didn't read much because I'm heavily dyslexic. But like, um, I felt like this book gave me the language to articulate things that I just didn't know how to express um and i guess the I, I hope that i've managed to express what i was feeling through sonically but um it's still quite abstract you wouldn't really know unless yeah, i yeah. explained all of it um but i could read a, i could read a passage from it please if you'd yeah like. please um, <laughs> yeah because this, this kind of uh, i read this and i was like i was like th- i just completely relate to this um and it's about her relationship to to social media basically and and loneliness What did I want? What was I looking for? What was I doing there hour after hour? Contradictory things. I wanted to know what was going on. I wanted to be stimulated. I wanted to be in contact and I wanted to to retain my privacy, my private space. I wanted to click and click and click until my synapses exploded, until I was flooded by superfluity. I wanted to hypnotise myself with data, with coloured pixels, to become vacant, to overwhelm any creeping anxious sense of who I actually was, to annihilate my feelings. At the same time, I wanted to wake up, to be politically and socially engaged. And then again, I wanted to declare my presence, to list my interests and objections, to notify the world I was still there, thinking with my fingers, even if I almost lost the art of speech. I wanted to look and I wanted to be seen, and somehow it was easier to do both via the mediating screen. It's easy to see how the network might appeal to someone in the throes of chronic loneliness with its pledge of connection. Wow, very nice. Yeah, so that I... was very, yeah, very, very <laughs> timely. It felt wrong not to clap there. It felt like a, <laughs> <laughs> a live reading. No, no, no. I mean, I clapped there, yeah. Um, but like, I, yeah, I guess I, I'd read that, and um, I could, you know, on, on some abstract level, I could, I could relate to how that. F- like that felt when you're pro- when you're producing and you're and you go into like long hours of isolation i think you know anyone who's working with sound can often relate to that in some sense um and just feeling like you almost at times lose the art of art of speech because you like i i'd have some days where i was producing for like 10 hours and then i'd go to the pub or to see friends and i I'd, I'd just like still be like subconsciously listening to sound and and just not really able to socially engage in in the way i was feeling like inside um so yeah this this book i mean there's so much in here that that is thematic and interesting but i um decided to like to like put it down and then not read it um when i was actually making the project because i didn't want to just like directly translate her ideas into 
the work and I just tried to think about my own experience. I'd basically been, I'd gone away for, um, to traveling by myself uh, for a month and then I come back and I made the whole project in a month. Oh, wow. Um, and it, yeah. Is that generally, are you generally a fast worker? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I tend to just have like an idea will come and then I'll just, I'll just work on it nonstop basically. Um, Do you which, think that runs into what you were saying about it being like a collage? You're quite happy for things to, to create something and then leave it rather than yeah. constantly revisit it? A hundred percent. That's cool. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's very rare that I'll like redo vocal takes for example or... Um, if anything, I'll collage over them with like another one and then it builds up. I've, I find it really hard to capture the same emotion in a take because I'm not trained as a singer as well. There's not much control. So when I sing, it really is like an expression of how I'm feeling or when I play saxophone. So I, yeah, it's, I often find it hard to replicate that in any sense. Um, yeah. So how did you know when the project was finished? When it was finished? That's... Um, do you know what? I was just thinking, if you don't like, do you know what I mean? If yeah. You, if you just know when the tracks are done, you leave them and move on to the next. How do you know when a project is it's finished? Yeah. This is interesting, also because this is an independent project, and there's nobody like telling me when to finish either. So, yeah, there's there's literally no framework. But a friend of mine who's an incredible artist called Cadin, um, she's yeah, she's absolutely amazing. Said something the other day which just completely like a pit it just yeah it's just amazing she basically said that she knows when something's finished because it's a bit like a mobile sculpture and it, it's just like hanging perfectly and wow, really she like just that. yeah she just uh, and for me that's just like the perfect way of of seeing it but on a kind of sonic level like you're just listening to it and you're like oh, this feels right um but i i also have this threshold of if something just feels honest and raw i'll go with it and I'm not that interested in perfection. Um, and I had an argument with my other friend about this actually, because he was like, he was like, oh, like you know, wh- why wouldn't you like work on something until it's the absolute best it possibly could be? And I was like, because in a way, I just, I'd, I, I actually, I actually ended up talking about um, like tech startup culture um, in relation to that because <laughs> I'd read this book called The Lean Startup. Um, yeah, I've, I've like two that, years ago, yeah. and they were talking about MVPs like minimum viable products um, that you could put out to like test. And I think I, I read this actually when I finished studying and had no idea what I was doing. And I was, I, I think to some, some, some questions level, I, I did apply that concept of like, this feels like good enough mm-hmm. and I'll put that out. But then I've kind of retracted that statement now because I'm like, actually, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, I don't think um, just feeling like you're proud of something in that moment, but maybe it could have been refined as, is a negative thing. Um, yeah, mm, it's interesting because do you think you're maybe in the maybe in the minority of artists that would be more in the camp of revisiting, perfecting, or do you think I have no idea because in terms of from artists, like a yeah, yeah. <laughs> in terms of artists, you know, are you in the minority, or do you have lots of other friends or artists that produce <laughs> and will move on to? Yeah, I was like, I'd be like, well, from like a social science level, we should do like a, <laughs> have a proper sample study, um, but. Um, I think I have a lot of friends who are incredible um like artists and thinkers and 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 creators but who often just like don't release stuff over years because they are waiting for perfection um and so I th- I think yeah I th- I think that is a common thing 
but but again that's not necessarily a bad thing mm. like i don't think being we i don't think we have to be active all, at all times um my sister said something really beautiful the other day which was we we were like planting some um plants and she was like nature's only really creative for like one season of the year and in terms of like blossoming and mm. flowering and growing and blooming like um it, there is this kind of finite time to it whereas like there's a lot of decay and destruction that happens at other parts of the year and you can't see anything happening, but it's all happening underneath the surface. And I think that definitely happens to like my friends or, or myself in a creative sense. But I think that can also happen over like longer periods than years. And I think it's okay not to make anything for many yeah. years. And I think, I, I think there's this pressure to be making music all the time. Especially with like streaming very culture. Yeah. There's a real pressure on like, the more music you put out, like, the more, like, relevant you are to, like, the algorithm and all this, like, crazy stuff, which yeah. isn't useful. Well, isn't, isn't like, useful from a creative... It's not healthy, I don't think, anyway, from, like, a creative point of view. A hundred percent. And I think, I think it's really... It's been really empowering to just reject that and just say that, like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to force... Yeah, I'm not going to force it or just put stuff out for the sake of it and... And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult because it doesn't work in a kind of like in terms of like a business, like capitalistic sense, it becomes really difficult in terms of sustainability on a like monetary mm. data, like relevance, like timeline. But I guess from my career personally, I think the only way I can survive like on an, I guess, like just a well-being space is if I think about if I zoom out and think about this over like 20 30 years and 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 I want to always be making and, and expressing so I don't want to burn I don't want to burn out and I don't want to um yeah get get lost into that because I also think when you think about it and we zoom out like just so much is being generated and being made which I personally think is a is a brilliant thing um, I don't see saturation as like a problem because I think we have this illusion of scarcity that there can only be a certain amount of people making music or mm. and I think again that comes back to like if it's a commodity and like why can't everyone like go home and make make a, a song as if it were going home and making dinner like if it's a nourishing thing and like singing and um, music is is like I guess part of human nature I I. Th- I believe so yeah, for sure. everyone should have access to it um yeah <laughs> no, I, agree. I do long answers <laughs> no it's good great answers I was just getting lost in them yeah so just to revisit the, the themes of the yeah project so you read um lonely city yeah put it down I put it down and then you and then came back to it or and no I didn't I didn't really come back to it um I at the time I was fe- I was feeling very lonely I think there's no um I had, I had amazing, um, like a really amazing partner and um, friends and, and family and lots of, like, there is so many interesting people in, in London as well. So it was, it wasn't to do with a, a kind of so much that circumstance, but it was very much to do with how I was relating to the world. Um, so I decided to, I mean, I couldn't really write about anything else. Um, and yeah, I, I guess like the, the things that surfaced up from that were... Um, uh, things like te- like my relationship with technology so in blue dot for example um it's about following the literal like blue dot of the sat nav mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. on your phone and it's like I, I follow the blue lo- uh, dot underground my feet aren't moving but I'm going down and down was about was just feeling earlier, like wondering just like feeling completely dissociated because I I was on a meet on a way to like quite an important meeting and I was late and I was just on the elevator and the phone my phone was malfunctioning and I was just like I'm in big trouble um, and I felt like I was malfunctioning but it wasn't me it was the technology but the the technology had become this extension of myself to the point where when it st- stopped working I felt like I stopped working and I felt this feeling a lot in shows because I was playing so many shows and often technical things were going wrong and I, I felt like that was that was part of me going wrong because I w- didn't have the you know the, like all the always the knowledge to fix things instantly and I'd also been li- like listening to these interviews with Elon Musk where he's talking about like Neuralink and yeah, yeah. Uh, transfer of information um it's a real rabbit hole straight into, yeah 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 totally so um yeah that's i think that that song was very much about that but also asking these questions about um like um there's the line like um ask me where i come from i'll list everywhere you've dreamed of searching um which is about um that feeling of like uh, like trying to be whatever someone wants to be um and like desire online and how that often comes across in like the gamification of um like or like music sometimes you know like the way things are getting likes or plays and we're getting mm. like dopamine hits and we're like ah, which isn't which isn't a true reflection of response and emotional response and it's a very reductive response and i've always said like you know like a hundred thousand people can listen to my track in a public space like pratmoji or somewhere um and not really have any emotional response to it or one person can listen in their bedroom and really just feel something and that's more powerful mm. than than just like mass yeah, yeah. consumption and mass listening but yet we put so much more value on the mass so um yeah there was there was that but then the, i mean there's just so many there's so many themes in um in the project like glass shards is about um looking at the skyline at night and having this primal urge to climb the glass shards like the buildings like they were it was like a range of mountains but realizing you can't because it's private space and just that feeling of feeling exiled from your own city. Um, I think I had a lot of like kinetic energy at the time and I didn't know how to like get rid of it. Um, so that, I guess that's about like feeling like exiled, but also um, like having to like rise above that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the, there's lots of like samples all over the, like samples from London all over the, project that which are like manipulated um a lot of northern line is in there which yeah. was then used to make like rhythms um that's cool and yeah <laughs> that negative feelings towards the northern line um uh, no no actually no just, you just wanted to use that i think i mean i grew sound. up in south London. we didn't have a tube so the um, <laughs> the like underground is like still it still feels quite exciting to me. Really? Yeah. I think you're the only person I've ever met that's <laughs> described the underground as exciting. I don't know. It's like we didn't have that that really fast access to places. We had buses. Mm-hmm. So I think you're you're much more like aware of streets when you when you listen to the buses. And I actually I intended the project to be listened to whilst walking around London at night with headphones. Um, I find that enhances so many um, projects I listen to yeah. at night like walking around myself and it's crazy how different it is yeah um yours is one of them have you listened to the tourist album no i haven't is listening walk around london listening to the tourist album it's just okay it's it's like a thing to do you wouldn't expect it like oh what you up to this evening it's like i'm gonna go walk around and listen to this (laughs) like yeah it's amazing so i can really understand what you mean yeah by that no 100 percent. i think also um 
yeah for, for me, it's something i do in my process anyway when i'm producing i'll like i'll like bounce the song and take it for a walk like it was a dog like i'll be like time to go for a walk <laughs> and cool. i'll go and walk it around and and see what it sounds like in a different space because i think that's when i get creatively blocked if i listen to music whilst walking around um a park or something it brings up whole new perspectives on on like how i feel about it does that um, happen a lot do you find in terms of um like creative block because you're producing like long hours at a time do you have things that you do to try and yeah mitigate it like you said like walking around and stuff yeah i mean if we, i guess the, the, the thing is if we go back to the like the collage analogy it's like i always feel like i can generate more paper pieces or whatever we're working with um so so that that's fine i think just sometimes it's just it's just like structurally like framing it and i mean like like none of the, the stuff i'm making at the moment is very com is like typically conventional in terms of like popular song writing in the sense of like like sticking to structures like often i'll i'll just like fade out into somewhere completely different or um yeah it's all been quite experimental um but that just felt important to do at this at this time yeah 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 it's also really cinematic and I'd been watching more films when I was watching it and I always like envisaged having uh like making a film for it which I'm now doing at the moment. Um Yeah, you were saying that's really cool. So yeah. when if you can can you talk yeah. about it? Yeah, 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 no, I can talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean there's there's no that's the thing about being an independent artist. There's no one to like um like yeah, okay, talk about yeah. whatever. Talk away. So what um is it a film for the whole project? It's a film yeah. for one of the songs. Um, no, no, it's well, it's for the whole project, but it's three of the songs. Um and I, yeah, I'm working with a director called Greg Barnes. He's he's incredible, um, and it's yeah, it's been it's been really amazing so far. We filmed way more than we thought we would, um, <laughs> and yeah, like, like it's we we've been basically everything's live. So we've been filming like different different live aspects in different locations. We've been fil we filmed inside a car whilst it was moving under tunnels. We've climbed up like really high to rooftops, um, and I just wanted it to be about the tertiary different layers of the city um and also to collect the stems from um the like the 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 film and then use those as so there there isn't like a pre-recorded element to it it's it's yeah it's kind of live and then I will audio process a lot of it afterwards um but yeah I'm I'm really, really excited cool. for that I think cause I've never done I've never done something like that and I feel, I feel like it's going to be a new a new way to like express how how I see it and also collaborate yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It brings obviously a new life to existing Yeah. an existing project. Yeah. I mean, it's I don't really cool. but I don't buy into this idea of like the finish song in the sense of I th I feel like you can share finished work, but I think songs are eternal or, or like pieces of clothing that you put on and and sometimes they fit and then other days you're like I don't want to wear you. Um <laughs> and you can always like remake like a dress with the same pattern um as before and it can be just as interesting. Um yeah nice this podcast so far has been littered with beautiful analogies really so thank you yeah <laughs> it's been great well you're telling me about marie dahlstrom um talking about yeah her, oh her, yeah her, didn't make it into the podcast yeah which is a shame. oh it didn't oh okay no, that's what i was saying basically i thought that was beautiful yeah so for people listening who don't know me and laura were just not speaking before the podcast because <laughs> i didn't want to use up any good content basically but it's all coming out now so it's all good <laughs> And the feelings on um, you explored through this project, would mm. you say they are very, very specific to London, or no? And could you have those feelings in other cities? I didn't. I was just. I've spent a lot of time by myself um, 
in the last three years. Uh, and I was also spent a lot of time traveling to different cities because um, I, I played so many shows. And so, yeah, I was I was just in so many different cities. And um, I think I think those feelings translate across across it's I think yeah I guess I guess it's also um about like the sonics of different cities and how things can be like sonically overwhelming and um yeah I I find I find London in particular is quite sonically overwhelming Mm. um if you do a lot of producing you can become really sensitive to so just getting on the tube like some of the (laughs) low frequencies are just really um yeah it's just you just become more sensitive and aware aware of things i think um yeah but yes, you were saying a little bit the themes of yeah sorry again my, my brain's like gone out into the <laughs> <that's okay. laughs> tentacles of the question but i think that it does it, it does apply to all cities i think london is a particularly fast-paced city yeah i mean i i i have this dual relationship with london i'm from here and i think it's an incredible um it's an incredible place full of so many kind of inspiring completely wild people and you you never know what's going to happen and that's really exciting and incredibly stimulating and and yeah like I'm never feeling like I can't find something to um question or deconstruct or uh analyze but I do find that the, the thing with personally with London is I just get overwhelmed and I get this massive fear of missing out um which I've had to like form a new relationship with and you know like six artists who you all love will be playing on the same oh, night yeah, in the to. city and, <laughs> and 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 that's an incredible thing I, I think it's just about letting go of needing to consume all experience and uh, I'm going to sound really I, I don't know strange after saying this but I, I I've done a lot of like I guess de- detox not detoxing in the sense of like health like food not food I love I eat loads of food but in the sense of like I've gone through periods of not listening to any other music and I've gone through periods of not really being that social and being quite isolated just so I can have have room to think and I call one of the songs Walk Alone to Hear Thoughts of Your Own um, because I did spend a lot of time walking around by myself um, trying not to read too much as well and just like try and see how I'm actually feeling that's interesting Um, yeah and you'd recommend that to other people because I agree like London is just can be overwhelming especially with the like you say the amount to do and the constant like do this do that coming from like all ang- angles people and channels i definitely i definitely just recommend experimenting you know i think i think we i often get into conversations with friends where we just we kind of complain or we we moan about our environments but but then i think i think there's so much to be said for like just shape shake things up one day you know like c- completely change your relationship with a tool or a practice or a ritual and like see what happens and and i think experimentation is 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 a massive part of like in in life outside of music is a massive part of music as well um you can't really separate the two but yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) that's a cool way to look at it right i might have to go on an experiment uh experiment (laughs) binge next week see if i can upgrade things (laughs) right i'm conscious of time okay and we had some quite good questions in so the first one is why did you decide to play solo rather than with a band oh um basically first i would say that's that's not it's not that i will never play with a band Mm -hmm. um i i i did decide to play solo. i think because i again i was i was looking to explore what would happen um if i if i was playing solo and 
and essentially there's there's just so many amazing musicians and 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 but and I guess like how I play isn't the most like isn't always the most ten, ten, mm, I if I should answer this one again I find it really hard to answer this one actually but maybe it's just rolling so I'm just gonna answer it but ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah basically why do I play solo yeah it's 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 this is a, I find it hard to talk about this I don't really know you don't have to answer no, 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 no. I think it's. I think it's a really inter- interesting question, though, because, you know, like, I think I'm. I'm still working out whether, whether I do want to continue playing solo or, it's like an amazing sort of like just thing to like to put yourself through just to learn about what you are capable of. I think in some senses, you know, I've ended up doing some like huge shows, mainly with supports or festivals where there's just been like thousands, thousands of people like looking at me and and I've completely forgotten what I'm doing or like. And or had to like trans translate or transcend something I was feeling, and um, that when you have a band, there's a lot more. There's a group band out doing that. But when you're solo, you just have to go to some like um, quite deep places. Mm. And yeah, from a from a fan point of view, I find it so like engaging and like captivating when it's like one person on stage. Um, whereas, like you say, with a band, your sort of attention is. I think that can be so that can be beautiful focused. because it comes like an organism, you know, like the super organism, the mm. band. Um, but like, yeah, it's not. I just think one's. I'm not an advocate of one or the other. I think for me personally, and I can't answer it now. Sorry, that was a bit of a detour to get here. <laughs> but um, I think I feel like it's. Um, I feel like it's 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 because I'm doing some groundwork and I can't really explain why. But I'm just I'm just trying out a lot. And this feels like a good format for doing it. It's also, if I'm totally honest as well, in terms of sustainability. Um, like an independent musician i'm like trying to keep this all floating afloat and i and i can't always um i couldn't always like afford to do bigger projects and like ideally i'd collaborate you know with like a lighting engineer and and a visual artist and and many others um but i wanted to gig lots the last couple of years and i wanted to um yeah kind of push myself so this this seemed like a good format to do that um yeah that makes sense (laughs) <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, were you nervous when you dropped your first project? Was I nervous when I dropped my first? Um, yes, I think I was. I think I think everyone is nervous, but not but not as in. I guess there wasn't there wasn't an expectation. Maybe I didn't I didn't feel like pressure. I think I I think I think also because there's a lot of really supportive people and everyone's just doing their thing and like trying trying to to like find a interesting practice and a and a good relationship with it so it didn't feel like there was there was I didn't feel scared of like a lot of criticism because it just it just felt like people were just either going to like it or not and yeah, yeah. that was okay and then um, an extension of that question because I spoke to artists who worry about releasing something that is different to their previous release yeah. um I think it was Carmody I spoke to about that actually okay, she mentioned yeah, it because yeah, she's yeah. saying new um Projects is going to sound quite different, and she's worried she'll like lose fans or um, people won't sort of embrace it. Do you ever have that? No, not at not all? not lose fans because I I I've been um I, I guess I, I I'm pretty I, I tend to like dip right out and dip right in and I and I feel like this is evolving and I would much rather have like ten people who are like we get what you're doing like and we've just embrace you than then be accountable to a hundred thousand people who expect me to reproduce mm. you know i'm i guess 
that the the first option seems a lot more like better for for my survival. Yeah, survival. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I I also because I went through a phase of like my really like this the idea of fan. I also have a difficult relationship with because I I guess I'm, I just see everyone is inherent. Like well, I don't know. I guess I, I, I maybe romanticize the idea that everyone can be creative to some extent. So, um, like, f- I guess I, I guess I would be fan of other people though, um, but more just, just like, yeah, it's from like a respect sense, you mm-hmm. know. And 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 I respect people's evolution. I kind of li- I like it when some, when people just like challenge or or do things out of the ordinary or. Um, yeah, I always respect that from a yeah from a listener when someone drops something. It's so different. I just think it's cool that they were on this like new yeah, chapter, and they're just, obviously in a different place, which is very normal when you think about it, if you're producing music that sounds very similar. Hundred percent. The whole time, it's I don't know. I mean, but that's that's also great as well. Like, like there's there's a there's a beauty to refining. I guess I'm just get, trying to get less judgmental about everyone <laughs> and every every kind of creative process because there's just so much judgment you know there's so much especially from the industry side of it it's full of criticism and analysis and comparing two artists and and maybe i'm just kind of again for survival trying to counter that um yeah Mm. (laughs) that leads on to well kind of leads on to the next one um does it bother you when people call your music jazz oh just in terms of how you feel maybe about like genres and stuff i don't know Honestly, I think when I have been a bit like try to distance myself from that word, I think I think and this is this is like probably like quite a vulnerable thing to say, but it's like coming back round to maybe feeling insecure that I didn't have a jazz training. You know, I think there's there's like the South London scene with like with all these incredible jazz musicians um, who are very much identify as jazz musicians and who have gone through this really rigorous like four year conservatoire training and and I didn't do any of that and um like very much self-taught production and it's so I I guess I I always felt like an imposter in in the jazz scene in that sense and and um also I was like listening especially in the last two years I listened to a lot more electronic Mm -hmm. what you would class but I mean again like these the genres that you know it's so like fluid um but I'm and I think I was finding more interesting like or being more stimulated by some of the ideas and theoretical, like um, underpinnings of some more work of electronic artists, people like Holly Herndon, for example. So I just gravitated towards that world, um, but was still very much like put in the jazz stuff and jazz scene. But then, but then now I, I guess I, I come back around and and feel like to be part of any like movement of of people or is a real privilege and interesting. Um, like so I embrace it yeah yeah okay cool um so this is quite funny because someone wrote in <laughs> with a typo which was supposed to be what pinch yourself moments have you had which is a really nice question but the typo was what punch yourself what punch yourself I, don't know which is, I thought yourself. both questions are quite good so maybe answer both yeah well that's, <laughs> i like that um oh what pinch yourself moments i, I guess it's really hard to Translate. I mean, the pinch. You know, it just it actually just comes back down to really, really simply, maybe in the production space. Like when I'm have been at home and I've been making something, and I just have been really enjoying that process. That's probably more pinch yourself 
than anything else because it's just, it just feels really pure like yeah when you just when you just feel connected to something like in a flow state when you just feel connected to something you're making um that's that's been true more than i, sh- I, th- I think receiving in a performative way that's yeah. interesting yeah and punch yourself <laughs> yeah wow i mean so much you, i've made so many mistakes so many mistakes in the last i've embarrassed myself so much really yeah completely any think, examples you can talk about or you don't want to go no, back no, no, there? No, 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 no. I mean, just like every, I'd say every, every, every show in some way. But for me, it's like, a, I guess it's just like a whole experience down to the conversations you have in between shows, the way you talk to people. I, I get so much adrenaline, basically, um, when I perform that I completely forget a lot of things or I just become extremely impulsive and I sometimes just blurt out and say things that I don't so that's an interesting space because you're just like whoa like some subconscious stuff just rises to the surface yeah. um but uh and it's really bad I can't again I can't <laughs> but but yeah I think just just gem but I'm but I'm learning not to beat myself up so much about about maybe not punch myself so much about, about mis- what I would class as a mistake um and learning that that's actually you know that's all part of it and it can make the shows more human you know like i've seen a lot of really tight like well rehearsed excellent performative shows and and they're often not as interesting i saw an amazing article Giundita at brainchild on like last weekend and there was things that maybe you could say were technically like i don't know i don't know like how they were meant to be but like it just felt so free and and so much of her energy and um intention came across it, i was just blown away mm. yeah i know yeah. What you mean i've seen sets before that are so polished that i just didn't really engage with it that much because it was just they didn't speak to the crowd they played their songs and then just like left and it was all just like seamless and it was almost like i just felt like i'd listened to their sort of album like on an auxiliary cable and i like just plugged in yeah yeah big. Yeah, yeah. So I like the idea. You. I know what you mean. You need some edges, or if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess. I guess I like the idea of leaving space for for randomness to occur. Um, I also like the idea that the live show is going to be completely different to what's recorded. Um, mine, mine certainly is because I, again, because it's one woman. Often I have to like, like layer things um, to construct, and I often like I'll make the song and then like with the new show. Um, because I'm about to go on like a really huge tour in October and I have like translated Lonely City into a live show, but it's completely different to the That's recorded cool. version. Um, is that a tour across the world? Where else? Yeah, it is actually. Um, it's starting in Istanbul. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Have you been um, We haven't actually announced it yet, um, but we're announcing it in a couple of weeks, but I think it's fine to say. Um, oh, this will probably come out in a couple of weeks. Anyway, yeah. So okay, nice. Okay, sweet. Bye now. <laughs> get your tickets um i have been to Istanbul. i lived there for three months when i was doing research um on protest and people using technology in protest and i was busking there as well so i was i've been like massively inspired by musicians there um and yeah starting there and then and then across europe so like berlin amsterdam paris nice. copenhagen wow. um and then just three uk dates um yeah exciting <laughs> when did you say you're heading off on that uh in october October. Yeah. Oh shit, soon. 
yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, nice. So, so someone asked, I haven't, I don't know if this is true, so you can say, but you didn't follow anyone on Instagram for a while. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, that is true. You stopped following everyone on Instagram. Okay, that so they wanted true. to know what that did for you and your like headspace, and if and if you would recommend. Yeah. I I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend everyone to experiment with, with their use of social media. Um to any for like in any form. I feel like I feel like only as like culturally, you know, like as a population, we can only really work out what is I guess a health, uh, healthy, but yeah, I guess like a a nourishing way of using te- this kind of technology through experimentation and and um obviously like apps want you to be on them as much as they can they want to like increase engagement they're designed to be addictive and i'm i was massively addicted to social media mm-hmm. um and instagram in particular i think because i'm a visual person and i kind of tricked myself i think into thinking i was just researching all the time <laughs> i'd be like i'm doing research like i'm in the library you know i'm like scrolling yeah. i'm looking at colors i'm looking at sound bites i'm looking at the way people have constructed their identities i'm like connecting i'm being social i'm like researching but i was also on the other side of that like yeah i guess struggling with um like loneliness and and sadness and and it was this strange thing of feeling like on the one hand but but isn't this like a really healthy place to connect but but not feeling that in an embodied way so i yeah i just started experimenting in a big way and i was also really curious as well i'm just curious about algorithms and what happens when you don't like give up too much information um so i stopped following everyone apart from nasa for a while because <laughs> <laughs> i just nice. wanted to see loads of galactic pictures um, nice. but then i stopped following them because it was a bit you know like yeah strange just to have that um and it was really interesting because i'd when i went on to instagram like like there was a a space of i'd have to like people would pop into my subconscious in a way that they didn't when i relied on this the technology to tell me who to look at and obviously it's not like it's all it's not to do with like time anymore it's it's a lot more to do with engagement so it's very warped and it was just fascinating like because i just started thinking about a lot more of connecting with people in a way that i hadn't before um although i did have a, a, a conversation with my friend about it um where she she said that she'd felt really hurt that i'd unfollowed her um and i did at that point realize that like that would have like actually these these actions that you do on a digital space do affect how people feel in the real space and I hadn't thought of that and it, it wasn't compassionate of me maybe to not explain what I was doing mm. yeah because it's not like you get it's not like you get a notification saying like Laura Mish has unfollowed you yeah, but you would just but you would just like, know oh hang and on I swear so on your profile and see 100% yeah. and I and I do I do really understand that and I and again I feel like the experimentation and like maybe straying away from the mainstream, you, you do hurt people along the way sometimes. And that's something that I'm learning. And um, I think she's okay with me now. You're just like, sure, I don't follow anyone. Look. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I, th- I think it was really healthy to do um, for a while. I've started following people back because I um, I, th- I think I think it was just like, it, it, is, it is interesting having the feed. And I feel like I have a better relationship with, with it now, but I just needed to do it for a while. Yeah. So if anyone gets a random follow from me, or if I haven't followed you yet, because um, we just haven't crossed paths, then I'll probably do it at some point. Great. Yeah. Okay, well, that is all we've got time for. Okay. It goes so quickly. <laughs> it every does time. go quickly. 
Um, but yeah, thanks so much for doing this. Been a really fascinating chat, and yeah, look forward to the tour and new music. Thank you for having me. Thanks again. It's really nice to see you. <laughs>